Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Thursday, March 28th. I'm Justin Cochola alongside Tim Hurth. We are previewing the Sweet 16. Five out of the 16 teams are in the ACC. Had a crazy first weekend. Not really, to be honest. A little bit, little bit chalky. But uh, a lot of things to react to. But first, Tim, what's uh, what's happening? No, oh, there's a lot happening, Justin. Not only in basketball, personal life. Uh, it was Kristen and I's anniversary yesterday. Oh, congratulations. We, thank you. We celebrated by going out to a place called the Angus Barn here in Raleigh. Sounds delightful. And it is a fan, fantastic steakhouse. Um, but the dinner cart came, or the, the after dinner, the dessert cart comes around and got me thinking. Now, they had a lot of choices. I went with the key lime pie. Okay. There were a lot of cakes. Sure. But I think I think if we're going to bifurcate this, and, and we're going to say you have to either be on the cake side of the equation or the pie side of the equation, I realized to myself that I choose pie almost every time it's an option of Absolutely. cake. Absolutely. Okay, good. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah. And that key lime is somewhere near the top of that list. You know, key lime for me, not in Ooh. my top ten. Wow. Just, I'm not a huge key lime guy. God, that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah, well, I'm what sorry. is on the top of your of your top ten list? Uh, well, you know, number one is coconut cream pie, hands down. Oh, you that's know, a good one. Nobody else Oof. can even come to the party first. That's who I want to see. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> number two is apple pie. Because mm. what's more American than just the traditional, simple little apple pie? And then I'll, I'll uh, tell you what is maybe a scoop of vanilla ice cream next to that apple pie. Boom, boom. Oof. Number three, being from the the peanut state, Virginia, I'm going to go peanut pie. If you uh, if you're ever down in the seven five seven area, uh, the peanut Virginia pie. the Virginia Diner has a yeah. fantastic peanut pie. I've never heard of such. Yeah, but I, it's I can uh, imagine it's, it's one of a kind. It's one of a kind. I've never seen it anywhere else. Yeah. Well, you know, there's something to be said, too, if we're talking about a top 10, a pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving oh. is, is, yeah. is, it's hard to beat, but it really, it has to be that once or twice a year pumpkin pie that occurs around or on Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie, you know, a little, little curveball I like to throw in there is like a just blueberry pie. You oh know? man, that's good. Blueberry. Yeah. What about uh, the strawberry pie? What are they throwing there with the strawberry what is it? Is it rhubarb or something? Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, I think it's rhubarb. It's some kind of weird vegetable that you know, no one eats. Your berry pies, your your cherries are always good. And, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pie guy, for sure. Okay, me too. I'm glad we cleared that up. Because, I mean, there were more cakes than pies, and I was kind of offended by that. Yeah, so if you come um, to Chicago, there's a place, community I live, called Oak Park. Um, little place called Spilt Milk, and they specialize in pies. Oh, man. So you go there for Thanksgiving, a pie, regular size pie, going to cost you 30 bucks, best 30 bucks you ever spent. If the pie is good, I'm throwing 30 down all day. Yeah. If that's not out of my realm of spending for pies, I'll tell you that. But it better not be uh, any Marie Callender situation when I pull that thing out of the box. Oh, no, it's not. (laughs) It's definitely not. (laughs) Good. Well, I'm uh, glad we cleared this up. That's the way you want to lead into your tournament, or, or I should say midpoint of the tournament special that we're running here. We have opening day coming up tomorrow. Yeah. So I know everyone is hyped for that, uh, regardless of what fan base you root for. Uh, your heart is is filled with optimism, and you can almost hear, if you listen closely, uh, put your ear up against the glass of your window, you can almost hear Angel, Angel Hernandez blowing calls already. Yeah, no, that's a that's a guaranteed to happen. Uh, you know, my beloved Orioles. Um, I could probably name three people on their roster right now, and I'm a baseball guy. So yeah. for me to openly admit that is hard, but it's true. Uh, they are in complete rebuild mode. Um, I'm expecting 52 wins this year. I think that would be uh, realistic. Uh, the sure. Cubs, I do have the Cubs, uh, so I'm hoping the uh, the preseason panic is uh, just the front and everything's good. But you know, I was listening to the radio today and the local television or the local uh, local radio guys. It was like the sky was falling. 
You know, think a worst case right. scenario. April, May, June. You know, if if the Cubs are bad, they're gonna have to sell and fire Madden and blah. blah. I'm like, guys, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Opening days tomorrow. Let's let's chill out, okay? Man, let's be positive for once. You were yeah. you won 97 games last year and had a down year. I think we're gonna right. be okay. Jeez, that's crazy. I mean, expectations are are pretty high up there nowadays. Yeah, and, tough uh, division too. Cards, Brewers, they're gonna they're gonna be tough. Yeah, it's a tough division. I was doing my little, little preseason uh, reading on the Athletic, which if you're not subscribed, I highly recommend it. Some of the best articles going right now in uh, sports writing. Um, but I don't know if you read this or not. They did a survey of a bunch of uh, MLB players. Um, you know, at, at least one from every team, and, and they kind of gave the breakdown of the responses. And one of the questions was, "Who is the most overrated player?" And who do you think topped that list? Bryce Harper. There you go. It, to a shocking tune of around 70% wow. of the players interviewed said Bryce Harper was the most overrated player in the majors. Yeah, I uh, don't disagree. I mean, a guy who just uh, average-wise has been really poor. Oh. He had that one great MVP year, but really since mm-hmm. then he had about a good half season and then Kind of been in the gutter a little bit, so we'll see if that three hundred and thirty million dollars goes to good use for Philadelphia. But sure, you know, I'm sure he'll be okay. I just don't know if he's going to be three hundred and thirty million dollars okay. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, so yeah. let's uh, let's jump into it, Tim. So, like we said, opening week, it's got that Thursday, Friday basketball. Uh, I was actually at a work event. And didn't get to watch as much much basketball as I typically like to, but uh, at least for Friday or Thursday and Friday. Uh, but really, it was quite chalky, quite chalky. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too many upsets Thursday. You know, I think I think the biggest one I picked was Yale over LSU, and that almost happened. It did. So Yale uh, Yale was down fourteen, fifteen, sixteen at halftime, something like that. And uh, came back, outscored LSU by 11-ish in the second half, and lost by five. But uh, they made it very interesting towards the latter part of that game. Uh, so, mm-hmm. fortunately for me, um, LSU's sitting in the Sweet 16, and you know I've gotten zero points in my bracket towards them. Um, mm-hmm. Another game that really stuck out to me, or stuck out to me, what did I say, stuck out? Stuck um, out, man. Auburn. One point victory over New Mexico State. Yeah, and uh, yeah. that was just kind of an ugly game for the Tigers. It was. It was. You weren't. You, you weren't expecting them to stumble out of the block against New Mexico State. Um, but you know, it was. It was a tight game. Uh, Auburn pulling it away, seventy-eight, seventy-seven. Obviously, uh, going away with that. But New Mexico State really, I think, was a team that was probably stronger than most people were were giving them credit for. Um, you know, 30 wins is, is something hard to accomplish in basketball. So um, they weren't a bad team. They had a couple of pretty good players that uh, impressed me. Um, but I'm trying to think of the player's name, and I'm probably getting it wrong, but I want to say it was Jared Harper maybe. Um, I know it's Harper. Anyway, guard for Auburn, I think, did everything he could to try and lose. Uh, this, this, I think it was that either that game or the second game. Um, uh, I'm sure it was that one because they do- yeah. dominated the second game. Yeah, so it, it was, yeah, because obviously they cruised in the second game. Um, but, man, he did everything he could to make sure he lost that game, whether it be uh, dropping the ball, errant passes. Um, in his fourth, he was on four fouls and, and literally f- made an intentional foul in a situation where you'd never want a player to foul, um, a situation where they could have wasted time and ended up putting New Mexico State on the free throw line. And I, I think my theory is that he had realized that he had just – kicked the shit out of the last two minutes of that game that he was like you know what bruce i'm out i'm done yeah you know what i'm just gonna go ahead and bench myself right so that that was my fun takeaway from that game was holy hell that end was a mess uh bruce bruce pearl did not cover himself in glory at the end but they got it done a couple of other you know matchups that we thought were interesting going into it st mary's villanova villanova squeaks by before getting absolutely demolished by Purdue. Uh, the younger Patino gets revenge on Louisville, 86-76, yeah. uh, pretty much as expected. I, I I think people that hadn't really been play, paying attention to Louisville this year were kind of surprised that happened. Sure. But, like, 
like we've been saying, if you've paid any attention to the ACC and happen to turn on a Louisville game or two, you're not surprised at all. This is the team we've seen over the last month and a half. So mm-hmm. uh, they finished the season 20 and 14. Um, you know, I I don't know what the where the Chris Mack era goes from here. It can really only go up, I would have to say. Sure. But, you know, he kind of came into a tough situation. So we'll see what happens. But it's just kind of uh, interesting when they started off so, so, po- so posit- posit- positively this really hit this weird wall that I can't really explain because they showed flashes of greatness, Mm -hmm. but they just couldn't sustain it. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning of the ACC season, we were talking about them as as a potential top four finisher, which would have been a complete surprise given the the tumultuous beginnings that they've had uh, to the uh, transition between coaches there. Obviously, Patino leaving on a strange note. but yeah, it just completely the wheels have completely fallen off the past month and a half, and that performance against Minnesota was exactly what I was expecting to see because I did not pick Minnesota because I thought Minnesota was a strong team. Um, you know that that was not the case. So we got what we thought we were going to get in that game. Uh, Maryland squeaks by Belmont, and then one of the last games of the weekend. Um, before that, Syracuse loses by nine to Baylor. Mm-hmm. They were uh, minus Frank Howard in that yep. game due to a suspension, so I think that really kind of affected them. Yes, uh, Syracuse did not have that magical run like they do so often in March. Right. But uh, one guy who really took Thursday by storm, and let's say the first half of the weekend, was John Morant, obviously. Mm-hmm. All the talk was around him. I think he did a lot for himself as far as the NBA draft's concerned. Uh, fun player to watch, really good passer. First triple double in the tournament. Uh, I think it was like tenish years. Yeah. Uh, only the ninth all time. So finished with seventeen points, eleven rebounds, sixteen assists. Uh, they destroy Marquette, and Marquette is a team that I thought was was pretty strong, um, but came in and uh, Murray State just hit them in the mouth, and we were expecting kind of a fast paced offensive game for both sides and. You know, Marquette just could not get in a rhythm. Yeah, they couldn't get in a rhythm. It was surprising to me that they didn't put up more of a fight than they did. Um, but as you said, that story was all about John Morant, and, and not that he needed more help towards the NBA draft and cementing himself as a top three pick, but good gracious, that, that guy can do everything. Not only is he completely smooth on the dribble, and as far as being a playmaker, he really does get others involved, which you don't really see in in college of players of that level of star quality and in that level of offensive playmaking. But um, not only has he got that, he's got the great shot and that guy can jump out of the gym. It's insane to me what he can do from an explosiveness standpoint. So um, yeah, I know there has to be NBA teams in that lottery space, just salivating over him, watching him play. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, after Zion's last game in a Duke uniform on Friday, if, uh, if the, Bulls wind up being first overall in the draft, and uh, you know who they go with. Is it Zion Williamson or is it John sure. Morant? First or second? So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, I don't know if you picked up my Zion comment there, but <laughs> I was foreshadowing. Yeah. <clears throat> I like. Anyways, it. Um, moving on to Friday, Buffalo destroys Arizona State. Hokies come out absolutely dominate St. Louis in the first half, forty to eighteen. St. Louis. Uh, Tried to get back in it, got the game within 10 in the second half, but Virginia Tech had all but kind of taken their foot off the gas at that point. Um, strong outing for Virginia Tech. You know, it was a great kind of get-over-the-hump game. First win in the NCAA tournament under Buzz Williams. Kerry uh, Blackshear didn't shoot too well from the floor, but made up for it from the line, going 11 for 12. Um, one thing I found interesting in this game, Tim, is Tech was only 4 for 10 from 3, which uh, is Odd. unlike them to only take 10 shots from 3, but they didn't really need to. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker had a very strong game, 20 points, 6 rebounds. Uh, but really, the, the story of this game, Tim, was the return of Justin Robinson. He uh, he struggled a little bit in the beginning, but I feel like he kind of found his legs there uh, towards the latter part of the game. Played 28 minutes, which was a little bit more than I was expecting. Uh, finished with nine points, did have four turnovers, but 
you know, I felt like that was kind of best case scenario. Hokies dominated, didn't need a big performance from uh, from Robinson. They still got 23 minutes out of Bay Day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought that was uh, a good momentum shift going into their matchup uh, for Sunday. Yeah, it was exactly what you wanted to see from Justin Robinson. I mean, he got time on the court that was badly needed, like you said, more than I thought he was going to get. But it's interesting to see that team's entire persona um, and identity change when he's on the court. I mean, he's just so calm, so in control, and his confidence bleeds down into his teammates and, and he makes everybody on that team so much better. So, man, that was huge to see from Justin and, and a sigh of relief from Hokie fans. Cause honestly, I didn't know if we were going to get a Justin Robinson that kind of just hobbled around out there just because he didn't want to go out due to an injury and, and not see the court in a Hokie uniform again. But we got a guy that looked to be moving pretty well and seemed to be at least 85, 90% to me. So, um, huge for him. And, Huge for the Hokies. It's that that's a, a heck of a win for Buzz, and uh, yeah, it, it got everything headed on the right foot for us. Yeah. So uh, one of the most interesting matchups I thought going into Friday was uh, the winner of UCF VCU going to play oh, yeah. Duke, and uh, UCF came out absolutely smacked VCU right in the mouth, and uh, Taco Fall thirteen points, eighteen rebounds, five blocks. Filled up the stat sheet. Only played 28 minutes. Um, kind of what I thought would happen, to be honest. I just think if you haven't seen Taco fall and you're a smaller team or a team that relies on you know, inside scoring, you're going to struggle a little bit if Taco fall is getting 25 to 30 minutes oh, a game. Yeah. So a guy that size, he takes up so much space, he is going to alter the game. We will talk about UCF a little bit more in a second, but... Uh, the havoc offense did not work for for the Rams for the Rams in this one. No, unfortunately not. Uh, my wife is a VCU alum, so she was not happy to see that. Um, did not yeah, know that. Yeah, she was very excited for the game. Uh, you know, I explained to her who Taco was before the game, and I'm not quite sure it sunk in because when you see that guy on the court, it's truly something to behold. Um, the guy can can seemingly dunk without actually dump, jumping, so that's kind of a weird dynamic. But when you see Dawkins go to the uh, two-three zone, which they seem to do on occasion, you, you have that rim protected so well, and um, it, it really clogs up the middle. So if you can't survive as a team that stays, you know, and keeps most of the offense from around the mid-range to three-point line, you're really going to struggle if you don't have an elite big man that can go in the middle. And it just seemed like VCU was lacking that 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 whether we power forward or center that could really make an impact with Taco there. Yeah, so jumping to a few ACC games, the one seeds were in action. Uh, they were all very close in the first half, actually. Gardner-Webb and Iona were leading Virginia and North Carolina after the first half ended. Uh, both Virginia and North Carolina outscored their opponent by at least 20 in the second half. Uh, Duke took care of North Dakota State, so those three advanced as expected. Uh, Tennessee Colgate got a little interesting. Colgate uh, gave them a fight towards the latter part of the second half. You know, one of the storylines was Admiral uh, Schofield kind of benching himself in the late part of that mm-hmm. game, um, which got a lot of headlines, but ended up working out. Um, other than that, we had a couple of bigger upsets. UC Irvine over Kansas State, and I think yeah. you, uh, I think you hit that right on the money. Way to go, my anteaters! Yeah, the anteaters looked good, man. They had a they had a solid team and uh, got got the win, and it was more so what led to my pick because I really didn't think the Wildcats were were a team to be reckoned with. I mean, they'd done so well in the Big 12, but as, as we had mentioned, the Big 12 really, really down this year, um, and they just didn't impress me, and I caught a weird amount of, of Kansas State games this year for some reason. Um, but yeah, UC Irvine pulling off the upset was, was very cool. I just want to give a shout out to the fact that they have maybe the coolest mascot in all of NCAA sports. Um, you know, you're not going to see a team nicknamed after or named after the Anteaters often, so you need to enjoy it when you get it. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a really good game. UC Irvine impressed me. Um, you know, really, really great from them. And, and the fact that they had multiple guys that could score, I thought was really cool and Helped him out in the long run. Sneaked out a win by six points against a team from a good conference. Uh, says a lot about that team and, and its trajectory as a program. So cool for them, and I'm glad they made me look good on the brackets. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, Oregon took care of business against Wisconsin. They played a very Wisconsin game in the first half, uh, 25 points each, and then they blew them out in the second half, one by 18. Uh, so Oregon advances, and they ended up taking down UC Irvine. So Oregon is the lowest seed to be in the Sweet 16. I'm not going to call them a Cinderella. I mean, they're from the Pac-12, yeah. so I guess the Pac-12 is basically a Cinderella because they're awful. Yeah. Um, that's a fair but, point. Uh, but good for Oregon. You know, that's 10 straight wins for them. It's uh, That's an interesting matchup against UVA that we'll talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, two teams, Tim, that I was extremely hard on, Ohio State and Oklahoma, both win in the first round. I told you not to put any money on Iowa State. All they do is fail in the and tournament. Boom. They failed again. Lost by three points to an inferior opponent. Unbelievable. <laughs> and then uh, oh, Oklahoma. They win by 23 points against Ole Miss. And uh, really, the SEC did not shine no. after kind of the the heavyweights of their conference. So you had Oklahoma destroying Ole Miss. And then Liberty with the 12-5 upset over Mississippi mm-hmm. State. Going into this, I felt like if there was a lock of a 5 over a 12, I thought it was Mississippi State over Liberty. But I was sorely mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was surprising to see, and yeah, Liberty, wow. Um, says a lot about their pro- program, too. Uh, you know, head coach spent time with Tony Bennett, was the Liberty head coach before, went back to spend time with Tony Bennett, and it's uh, obviously uh, helped him out, and the team looks good, and it was surprising to see uh, Mississippi State and Weatherspoon struggle as hard as they did. I Again, another one of those teams I saw throughout the year, and, uh, you know, Mississippi State's been fairly decent in basketball over the last 15 years, so... Uh, just really surprised to see them struggle, especially given the fact that I thought the SEC was a, was it was a really strong conference this year, one that from top to bottom had a lot of depth, and I think we've been proven wrong, um, at least with what we've seen in the NCAA championship uh, tournament so far. Yeah, it looked like the uh, ACC and the Big Ten won uh, won the first and second sure rounds, and the ACC really kind of shining through with five teams in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So, um kind of jump into Saturday really kind of uh not a lot of interesting games to be honest uh Kentucky Wofford was pretty interesting and for Wofford for their best player to go 0 for 12 and for them to be in the game like insanity if Fletcher if Fletcher McGee had hit two more shots it was yeah I don't know if I don't know if Kentucky I think they lose I think they lose and to see Fletcher struggle like he did was surprising Especially if you look at his stats on the year, the guy is as close to automatic as you can be and just could not catch a break in that game. It was just one of those statistic anomalies of a game, and, and thankfully it happened when it did, or we I think we'd be talking about Coach Cal making an early exit from the tournament. Yeah, it was it was crazy because you're watching that game, and it's just like the class of athlete between those two oh schools. Like It was so blatantly obvious yeah. like you know who was who. But yeah, for Wofford to, to play that way with McGee, uh, their best player going down, I uh, I couldn't believe that they actually hung in there with Kentucky. So that's something to consider. Florida State demolishes Murray State. I mean, big time destroys them. And uh, Ja was doing everything he could to keep them in the game early. I think he scored like 13 out of the first 17 points for Murray State, but. Uh, Florida State was too much. That size and their their uh, just pure athleticism. Yep. It's uh, it's like they had a bunch of bunch of jaws compared to just one, like Murray State had. Right. Probably the uh, most interesting game of the of Saturday was LSU Maryland. So uh, Maryland kind of fought back in this one. It was uh, just one of those games where they just couldn't seem to get their head above water. And then they finally took the lead. It was going back and forth. It was tied. But then LSU kind of snuck by, got the win. And uh, that was a heartbreaker for the old Terrapins. Yeah, I mean, you hate to see those games as a, you know, not hate to, given our somewhat small rivalry uh, that we may have had in college with Maryland. Um, but to see. No idea what you're talking about. To see a team fight back. Uh, and lose like that to make a, a, the comeback that they did is always extremely heartbreaking. Um, you know, it, it's tough to see, but, uh, you know, Turgeon will get the guys bounced back and, you know, they'll be back in the future. But, uh, you know, Maryland just couldn't get it together and, and they got so close. It was a shame to see, but 
LSU with some clutch shots. And, uh, yeah, Will Wade's boys, Sands, Will Wade, are, are looking like they may be playing okay. Yeah, so then we had uh, Auburn destroy Kansas, one by 14. Purdue big over Villanova by 26. Jump into Sunday. Uh, Virginia takes care of business against Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wasn't a dominant performance, but, you know, they got the job done. Game never in doubt. Virginia Tech against Liberty end up winning by nine. You know, they were down at halftime. You know, I kind of said this on our group chain. I don't think there should ever be another first, second, Sweet 16, Elite Eight, National Championship, any round whatsoever in the state of California. No. That that San Jose environment, it just it puts you to sleep. Right. And you just got a bunch of people in there. You know, it's like you had all these schools that weren't from the area. And where were most of the upsets this weekend? I don't know. San San Jose. Three out of the four biggest upsets were all in San Jose. Why is that? One, too far away. Fan base can't travel. Two, you got a very motivated team, and you got this like sleepy crowd. It's just like the game just it falls into this lull. I felt like the entire game against Liberty was just like this lull yeah. and this just deadbeat environment. I felt like I was watching a scrimmage. That's what it felt like. To yeah, me. yeah. Um, and I think I think teams do feed off of the crowd. I don't know if it's worthy of what i'm saying it just it didn't have a tournament vibe no it had a weird it it was almost like an 8 a.m livestock exhibit uh at the state fairgrounds there was just nothing being said there was really no noise coming from the crowd empty seats everywhere and yeah you're watching that and it almost sounds like there's like a white noise machine in the arena somewhere um you know just like an indescribable din from the audience that really it's got to suck the life out of you as an athlete. I know so much of those guys feed off of adrenaline, and um, whether that's coming from an opposing fan base giving them hell or their own fan base supporting them, that has to mess with them mentally. That's just a, that's a weird place and, and, and a weird situation for me to be in, and I'm with you. Uh, you know, I'll sign that petition right now. Let's go ahead and boycott any sort of college events from happening in the state of California anymore. They don't appreciate it, Justin. Yeah, it's just like, honestly... Yeah, I just I don't I don't get why we stick games out there like big tournament games in California because one none of your schools are in it right because they all suck at basketball. They all suck. Let's be honest. You had UC Irvine representing the state of California in the NCAA tournament. Go Anders. The entire state of California had one school and it was UC Irvine. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Ridiculous. I mean that's just unbelievable. And then you stick a game out there and you got two schools that are 99 miles from each other playing a game. Clear across the country, yeah. like as far away from Virginia as you could get. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, I don't know. I don't get it. But I don't either. Uh, looking at some of the other games, North Carolina destroys Washington, Tennessee, Iowa, man. Tennessee Ooh. was up 25 points Ooh. in the first half, and Iowa outscores them by 21 in the second half, ties the game. You had that Rick Barnes can't get it done in the tournament type of vibe, and... <sighs> It almost happened. <laughs> that was crazy. But Tennessee dominated overtime, ended up winning by six. But I know you were sweating that out because you got them winning it all. I've got them in the final. Um, but I'm definitely starting to second-guess that choice. Yeah. Admiral Schofield bails them out at the end with a big three-pointer um, to, to help push the lead a little bit. But that that was crazy. I thought for sure – uh, we were on, you know, we were going to see the vintage Rick Barnes meltdown that uh, has has me worried this whole tournament because um, you expect it to rear its ugly head at some point. But, you know, that Tennessee team keeps fighting, and I love their leadership and love the experience they have on that roster. So I'm still hopeful, but, you know, that Iowa game was, that was tough. Um, I, I don't think Iowa is, is as good of a team or, or as good as uh, Rick Barnes and the Vols made them look. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, touch and go with them moving forward. Yeah, and Tim, so the game of the tournament, the game that everybody's talking about, Duke-UCF. Oh, yeah. And UCF, man, they came out, they played their best game. Everybody's talking about Taco Fall, but let's not let's not overlook the performance by Aubrey Dawkins. Oh, yeah. From oh, born yeah. in Durham, North Carolina. Dad is Johnny Dawkins. Might have heard of him. You know, former Duke great, 
coached or coached under Coach K for years, and then went off to Stanford a few years ago. Now he's at UCF. Uh, Aubrey, his son, is a junior at the program, and he has 32 points, 12 for 18, five for seven from three. I mean, he was doing everything on the floor, and when Taco was out of the game, Aubrey was the one that was keeping keeping UCF alive. And you know, it was a game that Taco needed to stay out of foul trouble, and uh, he got into foul trouble in the first half, and that's when Duke went on a little bit of a run, but they fought back. Uh, they did lose Taco towards the uh, very end of the second half, and then it just set up pure pandemonium with the, uh, I don't know how what you thought about this, but with Zion standing at the line where they're down one with 12 seconds left, it felt like to me he missed that free throw intentionally. It was so, so off. It was bad. And he, he hit the front of the rim. It goes right to, we'll call it R.J. Barrett. I don't mm-hmm. remember who it I was. I think it was R.J. They they lay it in, go up, and then you have the, I don't even know what you call it. I, I won't call it a rim out, mm. but you have two looks about as close to the basket as you can get without dunking it, and it just it just trickles off the side of the rim. Yeah. It doesn't go in, and UCF. The journey is over. I mean, it was one of those textbook tap-in situations to win the game, and you could see it coming before the ball was actually tipped. Um, it just set up perfectly for it. It was a kind bounce, um, and the the tip was right there, and it just rolled right off the rim. Talk about heartbreak um, for UCF, especially Aubrey Dawkins and Taco. Man, those two played great. Taco, especially going up against a guy like Zion. Uh, has to be hard given the the athletic mismatch that he has there. Sure, he has the height, but Zion's athletic ability is insane, whether it be his, his, his explosiveness from a vertical standpoint or his lateral quickness. For Taco, that had to be hard, and Taco played well. Um, you know, he was a force to be reckoned with, but Aubrey, man, Aubrey played the entire 40 minutes of that game, got 32 points. Um, I, I can't say enough about him. He's had an incredible game, shot 66% from the field, you hate to see him lose in that in that scenario. Watching him was an absolute treat, and uh, he stole the the show from from Zion for me, at least as far as I'm concerned. Given the fact that his supporting cast is uh, you know at a different level than what Zion works with, so um, hats yeah. off to him. Hell of a game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I felt strongly that if Taco stayed on the floor and Duke had a game like they typically do from three, that Duke would lose. Yeah, and. The only thing that didn't happen is Duke had a better night from three than they typically do. They yeah. shot 40%. They did. But if you look at Duke's box score, and I'll talk about this in the preview with Tech, they had three guys shoot efficiently from the floor, somewhat somewhat efficiently. So you had uh, Zion, Cam Reddish, and R.J. Barrett mm-hmm. make eight of your ten threes. Trey Jones was one for eight from three, five for 15 from the floor. You know, he doesn't do much offensively, especially from, from deep, and UCF was just kind of letting him shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but Duke is so top-heavy right now. Even with Zion back, I just don't feel good about Duke in the long run in this tournament just because if you figure out how to neutralize Zion, they are so beatable. They are more beatable than any than two out of the three one-seeds remaining Agreed. Outside of outside of Duke. Agreed. Um, so, so we'll see what happens there, but, uh, you know, that kind of wraps up the first weekend. Um, and to be honest, I think the two teams that are playing the best out of anybody right now, one is North Carolina. They're number one. Oh, agreed. And, uh, number two is your Florida State Seminoles. Mm-hmm. They look primed to make a run to the final four. I think they will. I think they just don't get the hype that any other team gets because they're Florida State. Right. We know nothing about Florida State on the national scale. We do because we're in the ACC. Mm-hmm. But when you hear Florida State, you're just like, mm, no, they can't be legit. Right. I think they're legit. I, th- I think they are too. I mean, they, they have everything you look for. Uh, offensive playmakers, athletic ability, and size. You couldn't ask for you know a, a better make-out or, or make-up from a team. And you have a coach with Leonard Hamilton who – 
may not have done it in the NCAA tournament to the extent of a Final Four, but man, he's won championships and he's won an ACC championship at a place like Florida State. That's not easy. Um, I like what they have from a leadership perspective, and I like what they have from playmakers. So yeah, I'm I'm with you on the Florida State to the Final Four train. As a matter of fact, I, I think I predicted that. Almost 100% sure I did. Um, so seeing that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. I think it's going to surprise a lot of the nation when they see how good Florida State uh, handles business in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. Yeah, so let's take a look at the uh, Chowder and Grits Tournament tournament Challenge bracket on ESPN. We've got Hipsman leading the way. Uh, he is up to 520 total points. Oof. Got Big D in second place, Frame Train in third they have Tennessee and North Carolina, <laughs> respectively, to win. Yeah. Then, uh, Tim, you're in fourth place. Hey. One thing One thing I noticed about you, Tim, is if you look into that max column, max points yeah, remaining. You don't have to bring that up, Justin. You're, you're much lower than the rest of us. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, man, it happens. I missed on a couple of, of deep runs. My Nevada pick did not play out for me. Um, I still think Nevada's a hell of a an offensive team and I think they had a lot of talent and I'm really unhappy that uh the Martin twins weren't able to pull it out for me but I will say that first uh day I had a, had an absolutely stellar day uh 15 out of 16 so I got my hat you know hung there and if I go down uh in a flaming mess like the Hindenburg I'm fine with that man yeah you know is what it is yeah. I hope I'm right behind you after Friday but <laughs> we'll see um Three-way tie for fifth at 470, and then 460, 450 to round out the top 10. So, hey, it's close. It, it looks like everybody's got either Tennessee, UNC, Duke. Uh, there is one Virginia Tech, one Virginia, and there is a Michigan State in there. So There you go. You know, we'll see what happens. I, I like that one Virginia Tech pick. I think that's the guy. You know, I know who that is. TC probably last place is how he worded it. So. <laughs> Shout out to the Virginia Tech pick. That is uh... – that's the mood. I like that. That's a big mood for me right now. All right. So let's jump into this weekend's games. So Thursday night we get started. Uh, Florida State Gonzaga kicks us off and rematch of last year's Sweet 16. If anybody recalls, Florida State whoops Gonzaga by 15. If you had all of your money and you had to put it on one game, for the rest of this tournament, this is the game I'd put it on. Mm-hmm. Florida State is a seven and a half point underdog. That's ridiculous. I don't get it. They match up beautifully Perfectly. to Gonzaga. They're more athletic than Gonzaga. They're more battle tested than Gonzaga. I like them to win this game by more than the spread is in favor of Gonzaga. Right. I think this is a repeat of last year. I really don't think it's going to be that great of a game. No, I, I don't think so either. And, you know, Gonzaga is, is such a hard team to peg. Um, but really, I, I think playing in that conference does not help them at all. And they just haven't looked impressive. And Florida State has looked incredibly impressive to me. And I think battle-tested is a key point. Not only did Florida State play an impressive out-of-conference schedule, but they play in the ACC. Um, you know, getting wins over over teams like Purdue in in the off season, and then in the off season, I keep saying that in the non conference slate, and then going into the ACC and performing as well as they did, um, they're on fire right now. And I think Gonzaga's going to have a hard time matching up with that athleticism that FSU has. So uh, we'll see. I'm with you. I'm honestly surprised the spread is that high in favor of Gonzaga. Yeah, I don't know if it's just you know the games being played in Anaheim or what the deal is, but you've got. Kambak, blah blah blah. Kaban Gale with six foot ten. You've got Kamaji who's seven foot four. You've got three other guys who rotate in that are at least six foot seven. Mm-hmm. The only guy they're missing is uh, Phil um, Coffer, whose yeah. dad dad recently died. So sad. Um, he, uh, I don't think he played last weekend, and he's not going to be around this weekend. So um, tough situation there for for Phil and uh, his family. And, you know, I think the Florida State team is is uh, keeping them in, in their thoughts and prayers. So, uh, you know, some stuff going on outside of basketball there. But, you know, I, I just really like Florida State to uh, to do some damage here. So Yeah, I do too. And I expect to see it. I'll be surprised if Gonzaga pulls that one out, even though the, 
the seating and the uh, Vegas lines uh, being where they're at. Uh, so the other ACC game or matchup with an ACC team on Thursday night is the last game of the night, uh, 9.57 p- or p.m. Eastern, Tim. So that's that's a late one. Uh, Oregon against Virginia. So I so wish Bowl Bowl was playing in this game. Mm. Uh, that being said, if he was on the floor, I'm guessing Oregon would probably have a better seed than a 12. But just to uh, see Bowl Bowl go up against DeAndre Hunter, I, I think that would be a uh, fun matchup. But it's not going to happen. Uh, UVA trying to get to their first Final Four since 1984. But if you think about this team alone, uh, you've got a couple of guys, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, who have been on this team and had a second-round exit in their freshman year, a first-round exit last year as a one seed, and then you know this year they finally make the Sweet 16. So Oregon is not anybody to be taken lightly right now. They're a hot team. Of course, they came out of the Pac-12, so I'll put that hot to a above-average room temperature feeling. <laughs> Tepid. But they have taken care of business in the tournament thus far. Uh, they did beat a solid Wisconsin team that is a similar kind of team to Virginia, just weaker offensively. So I think that will be uh, that will be the most interesting part to watch. But Oregon's got a really good player in Peyton Richard, so P- Peyton Pritchard. So we'll see uh, we'll see what happens. But I I expect UVA to to win somewhat comfortably in this one. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It's a shame we won't be able to see Bowl Bowl play ball, but you know what are you going to do? Those are the breaks sometimes. Um, UVA is going to do what UVA does. They're going to be stingy on the defensive end, and I, I, I'm not sure that Oregon is going to be able to handle that well. Um, you know, ACC teams have the luck of getting to play, and some of them have the luck of getting to play UVA twice. Uh, that that's a system that's really hard to get used to, and can really make opposing teams uncomfortable. Um, and I expect Kyle Guy to do what Kyle Guy does and make three-pointers facing the opposite basket. And, uh, you know, I, I think Hunter will have a good game. And, and I think UVA will handle this game while I expect it to be close for, for some of the contest, just because of the nature of the way that UVA plays basketball. I think UVA will win this one going away. So, Tim, I uh, don't think I've mentioned this yet, but I'll be in D.C. for the Sweet 16. <laughs> And it's the uh, first I've heard of it, Justin. Yeah. So <laughs> what I was doing earlier is I was looking at ticket prices. So we've got Louisville here. You've got Purdue, Tennessee. Uh, let's see. Oregon, Virginia. So ticket prices, $96. Tickets as low as 87 In Anaheim, California, you've got tickets as low as $89. Wow. Then if you jump to Friday... We've got the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Tickets as low as $62. You've got Auburn, North Carolina, Houston, and Kentucky. Those are some big, big, legit schools. Absolutely. Washington, D.C., tickets as low as $319. That's insane. That's insane. It doesn't even even add up. So, yeah, I I got the most expensive (laughs) ticket in town, I guess, and I'm I'm sitting in the upper deck, but hey. The atmosphere for that game is going to be special. Um, You know, hotbed for a Hokie alum. Uh, There's a lot of Duke fans anywhere you go. So I expect the atmosphere to be absolutely incredible. So, Tim, let's just talk about it because you know we want to. Sure. Duke, Virginia Tech. Rematch of earlier this year. The two teams only played once. Duke is a seven-point favorite this time around. Uh, of course, the matchup that Virginia Tech won on February 26th was Sands, Robinson, and Zion. So I don't want to hear any excuses from Duke fans that you had your best player out. So did we. That being said, Virginia Tech's got some off-the-court uncertainty with oh, uh, the Ty Outlaw news. So Ty Outlaw, he's a uh, big contributor from three, you know, Pretty important piece for the Hokies. Um, He was sided with marijuana possession. Uh, So for those of you in states out west, yes, marijuana is still illegal (laughs) in certain areas of the country. And uh, Ty Outlaw has broken the law. He, um, I'm not sure if he's going to play or not. I would expect at least that he's not going to be starting. Typically, the Hokies do not suspend right away for these kinds of things. Uh, he's supposed to be 
you know, arraigned or, you know, whatever on April 11th. So there's still time. But, uh, yeah, either way, it's uh, an unfortunate distraction for the Hokies. But, you know, one of the uh, one of the keys to the game, and it's the key to the game for anybody who's playing Duke, it's interior defense. Yes, it is. Will the Hokies be able to slow down Zion Williamson? And if they do, and they play the defense that they're capable of playing on the outside, they have a very good chance of winning this game. So, Tim, the matchup I cannot wait to see. Kerry Blackshear, Zion Williamson. This is the matchup that is going to leave people that have watched the Sweet 16. They're going to leave asking themselves, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Kerry Blackshear will be born on the national stage Friday night. I can't wait. He's been overlooked all season. He carried Virginia Tech without Justin Robinson. If it wasn't for Blackshear, they wouldn't even be in this tournament. His overall game is just misunderstood. He's a good scorer. He's probably a better passer. Mm-hmm. He's a great defender. Kerry Blackshear will make a name for himself on Friday night. He will probably propel himself into the NBA draft conversation. And Virginia Tech will beat Duke on Friday night in Washington, D.C. I love I love your passion, and I want to agree with you. Um, but I have been hurt so badly in the past when my hype for— This isn't about the past, Tim. <laughs> I realize your, your focus is on the present, but— This is the first time we've ever been in the Sweet 16, so the past doesn't matter, Tim. This is all uncharted territory. The hype is Don't consuming. talk about the past. It's consuming me. And all I can think about is this game, and I'm just, I'm hurt. I've been hurt. I, I was there when Matt Ryan hurt me. Don't bring that game up. It, that is not, that's not even the same sport. Well, I was there. I was there when A.D. Visayo hit a, a, a wonderful three-pointer to tie the game against a Wisconsin team, only to see the opposing point guard streak down to the opposite end of the court and break our hearts during the Greenberg era, when every non-conference win was so important to us. I've been hurt before, and I want to say that I'm with you, but I worry. And, and my worry is, is that we... If Kerry Blackshear gets in foul trouble, I, I don't know what we're going to do to, to defend Zion, and I sure hope that Buzz is, is scheming something, and I don't know if it's something off the wall like a box-in-one defense. I don't know if you tie his shoelaces together. I really don't know what you do to slow Zion down, but if we can't slow Zion down, I don't, I don't know that Virginia Tech can come away with, with that win, and and I want it to be true, and I want a ticket to the Elite Eight more than I want just about anything. Um, so here's, I can't see here's how I see it. Um, yeah, I think if Zion has a great game, probably, probably not going to win. That being said, I just don't like how Duke is playing right now. Their entire game is funneled through Zion, which is, you know, for, for most teams in the country, that's okay. But Duke has very little help outside of their big three. And a lot of times, as we've mentioned before, their big three is an elite two. And the other guy is on a milk carton somewhere. <laughs> so it's been the Zion show since he returned from the ACC tournament. He struggled a little bit at times during UCF. One of the things that I am worried about is Blackshear getting into foul trouble. Because as we saw against UCF, Zion was basically getting away with whatever the hell he wanted to do. There was one play in particular where they called a jump ball, and Zion basically karate chopped the guy's arms as they were over top of his head and knocked the ball loose, and somehow that's a jump ball. Right. So there was just a a few calls like that that just left you questioning, like, okay, is is that how this is really going to go? So there is going to be the Zion effect in that case. He's going to get all the calls. You have to mm-hmm. expect that going in. So Virginia Tech has to have a game plan around that. What are they going to do to help out Kerry Blackshear? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And for for Virginia Tech, it's more about the Sweet 16. It's about keeping your head coach. It's about this is the last game for your seniors. You know? This is one of the best groups of seniors they've they've ever had. And, you know, one of the other things we haven't talked about is Justin Robinson is back. Yes, and he is. I think last weekend was the perfect transition for him to kind of get his feet under him. 
You know, they played a 12 seed. They played a 13 seed. They didn't play particularly crisp against Liberty, but he came off the bench in both games, eased into it, got his legs under him, played roughly 28 to 30 minutes in each game. You know, Friday, it's go time. I expect to see Robinson starting. I expect to see Bede back on the bench where he belongs, coming in in the supporting cast role. And, hey, if Outlaw doesn't play, they can overcome that. You know, and I've got a sense that Buzz probably ain't going to play him. So, we we made it through without Justin Robinson. We beat Duke without Justin Robinson. Virginia Tech can survive without Ty, Ty Outlaw. Now, would it be nice to have him? Of course it would. And I think he would really help in the matchup against Zion. And utilizing his size yeah. a little bit differently than we than we typically do. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um I think it's going to be a good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Duke got up fairly, you know, came out pretty hot, got up 10, 15 points. Virginia Tech kind of chipped back, chipped, chipped back away at the lead. So um, I'm expecting a good game. I'm expecting something uh, to come kind of down to the wire. Uh, if it doesn't, I'll be surprised just with the way that Duke's been playing. You know, I don't expect them to shoot 40% from three again. Um, I don't expect Cam Reddish to really have much of a – uh, of a presence in the game because of the defense that Virginia Tech plays. So if they can slow down Zion, because you're not going to stop him, but if you can slow him down, you can keep Blackshear out of foul trouble, and you can make sure guys like R.J. Barrett don't pick up where Zion's left off, you're going to be okay. So as long as Virginia Tech keeps playing that buckle-down defense, there's a very good chance they can win this game. Because like I said, Duke is playing super top-heavy right now. So if something happens to one of those big three or that elite two, you know, whoever it is on Friday, you know, look out. Door's going to be open. I hope the door is open, and I hope we take advantage of it. One thing I've noticed all year when it comes to Zion Williamson is is the guy is shaped like a Zangief from Street Fighter, plays like a bull in a china shop, and ends up getting his third foul on average with two minutes left in the second half. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying that it doesn't add up to me visually the way I see him play and the style that he plays with to not get fouls called on him. And I've also noticed that he is a great, great uh, basketball player when it comes to drawing fouls, and a lot of that is aided by the officials. Now, I'm no conspiracy conspiracy theorist that I say that say this as I'm taking a hat made of Reynolds wrap off the top of my head, but I will tell you that the NCAA's golden boy this year is Zion Williamson, and boy, they sure would like to have him playing for the Elite Eight, the Final Four, in the national championship. So even if the Hokies come out and play well, there is going to be some prime shenanigans in this game. I'm going to go ahead and call it already. Um, there's going to be some calls from the officials that aren't quite going to add up, and, and I'm just worried with the amount of hype that I have, I won't be able to contain my rage um, on Twitter. So if you follow me, get ready. Um, I'm, I'm already mad. I feel like they've already called Kerry Blackshear on two personal fouls as he's walking towards the stadium, but um, I am, I'm going to root like hell for those Hokies. Um, and man, I, I can't imagine an Elite Eight uh, with Virginia Tech in it, and, and I hope that I get to see it because uh, Virginia Tech may never get this close again, and I want it for Justin Robinson about as you could want it for another human being. So um, let's go. Give it all we got. Let's roll our dice and see where we end up. I'm looking forward to this game. Well, Virginia Tech will be back here again because Buzz Williams is going to sign a lifetime contract. <laughs> another to win the natty. a flaming hot take coming from Justin Cochiola. I am okay with that. <laughs> Please, of all your predictions, I hope that one is true because everything about Buzz Williams is perfect for Virginia Tech, and I hate the fact that he's probably going to go down to Texas because the the pockets are endless, as you know. Power of positivity, Tim. you got to stop thinking about the negative. Speak it into existence. Hey, I'm with you, man. It's all about the positive. I'm with you. Good. staying. So the uh, last ACC game of... The Sweet 16, you've got North Carolina against Auburn. So this game should be pretty exciting. Um, I like North Carolina a lot in this game. I'm glad I stuck with them. I'm upset I didn't put them in the national championship because I just really like the way they're playing basketball right now. Uh, Luke May has been, uh, you know, Luke May. He's kind of the do-it-all type of guy. Kobe White is doing Kobe White things. Cam Johnson has uh, really stepped up his game from – 
from three-point range. I mean, that guy is lethal. Like, when he steps up from three, you just know it's going in. And it's 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 just on this, like, rocket tra- trajectory. He doesn't have, like, a lot of arc on it. But, yeah, I, I just, I'd be stunned if North Carolina lost to Auburn. Yeah, and so I'm with you to a certain extent in the fact that um, North Carolina, to me, is playing better than anyone in the nation. I, I will give them that. They are looking incredible. Um, it, it's been really cool to watch them evolve as a team all year. And I think the reason I've said a couple of times they just don't feel like they have that spark is because they've got so many guys that can put a shift in on that roster that they're not dependent on one or two players. They really spread it around and get their offense from multiple places. And they have so many role players that know their role and play it well. Um, I just, there's something about Auburn this year, watching the way they play, um, watching how well they shoot. There's something about them. I like their intensity. And all year I felt like I had this, this weird feeling about North Carolina and, and just not having that it factor. And, and maybe this is when it comes to bite them in the butt because if it doesn't come now, then I have to completely give up that talking point um, because it's clearly never going to happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that Auburn wins that game still. Uh, I'm just I'm going to go Auburn there and I I do I want to say I think this game is going to be absolutely incredible. So if you like games uh with some fun, some fun scoring and some up tempo, I think uh North Carolina and Auburn are going to deliver one of the best games of the entire tournament. So you picked Auburn? I did. Yeah, that's too bad. That max <laughs> is going to keep going yeah. down for you. <laughs> Come on, man! Don't bring my max up. You know I'm sensitive. No, yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. Like rebounding is one of uh, North Carolina's strengths, and it's one of Auburn's biggest weaknesses. Uh, defensively, neither team is like super great, but offensively, you know, I think North Carolina is a top three scoring team in in college basketball. Um, I just. I, I just like the way they're playing together right now. Luke May's got that kind of, you look back on North Carolina in 25 years and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about Luke May. That type of look to him. <laughs> no uh, kidding. Probably play for like two, three years in the NBA and then, you know, go off and have like a 10-year career in Turkey or something. But he, uh, I, I think the team <laughs> is just, they're playing like super, super, <laughs> super strong together. And, uh, I just they they just have a lot of contributors. They're just better than Auburn is, and I'm just going ACC over SEC all day, I especially love it. after that first two rounds. I think North Carolina cruises to the Elite Eight. Look, I'm always about picking the ACC over the SEC, even in the face of insurmountable odds. Um, and I do. I, I mean, the the cerebral pick, the logical pick, is to go with UNC here. I cast my die when I made my bracket, and I said, you know what? War damn eagle. Auburn is going to take out UNC, and I am going to stand by that. I have, I have to take that ship to the ground with me. I'm going down while the band plays on the Titanic. I have no choice but to stick this one out. So I'm going to say again, Auburn will win that game. It's going to be a close one, and it's going to be on the back of some good three-point shooting um, from Chuma Okeke. So that's my, uh, that's my prediction, and I stand by it. Okay, so now I know why you picked. You just like saying Chuma Okeke. I love it. Could there be a better name to say on a podcast than Chuma Okeke? And I really hope that he does enough for me to get to plug that name four or five times on next, on next week's episode. So come on, Chuma, if you're out there listening. If you're a fan of the pod, please write in. Uh, let me know. Leave us a five-star rating. You can help us that way. Tell all your friends to give us a listen. We are your best ACC podcast on all of your favorite uh, networks. Yeah, there you go. Nice, uh, good little drop there. Yeah. Uh, so who who else do you have in the uh, the other games? So I've got Michigan State. Mm-hmm. I've got uh, Kentucky. Moving on, yep. I like Kentucky big over Houston, but I do I too. Also, I wouldn't be stunned because I don't know. Kentucky's just like you were saying about North Carolina. That's me in Kentucky. That's how I feel about them. Right. Uh, I've got Tennessee over Purdue and. Texas Tech's another team I don't really know what to think about, and Michigan's just one of those teams that, you know, they don't have any great players, but they've got great coaching. So that they do. That I they do. I've got I've got Michigan going to the next round. 
Yeah, I mean, Texas Tech is just one of those teams who I, I try to understand, and, and people who know more college basketball than me seem to be really high on them heading into this tournament. Um, so that leads me to believe that they're going to have a, a shouting chance here and that they're going to put up a good fight. Um, but again, something also says it's Texas Tech. They're not going to get to the Elite Eight. So we'll see where that ends up uh, landing me. All right, so that is it for our Sweet 16 Elite Eight matchup preview. Uh, We are Chowder and Grits. We will talk to you next week, and we hope you guys enjoy the games. Uh, But before that, be sure to tell all your friends about where you can listen to this podcast, where you can find us on Facebook, and how you can tweet us on Twitter. That's at Chowder and Grits. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher. Just like Tim said, give us that five-star rating. And if you don't want to give us five stars, well, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. Get out. That's all. That's, that's it. I mean, that's really what it, what it boils down to. If you don't think we're doing a five-star job at this podcast thing, you know, there's other podcasts out there for you. Um, but if you're smashing that five-star button on us, then clearly you are a, uh, a sensible human um, and you like good product and good content. And that's what we deliver. Yep, that's right. Just like a uh, bunch of victories for the ACC, the only conference with a matchup against each other in the Sweet 16. There's just so many teams of one conference. They just have to play each other. Yeah, that, happens to be, each other. that happens to be Duke and Virginia Tech. Uh, I'm just going to say go Hokies, and we will see you guys 